0: Let's
1: go! The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy.
0: Hey, you hit me so hard down
1: there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy. On Cofield and Company.
2: You know, we've talked a lot about the NFC East. And that if the Raiders are going to have that breakthrough season, finally get above 500, make a run of the playoffs, these crossover games against the NFC East, they got a freaking win. I'm not saying 4-0, but 3-1 would be nice. 2-2, two and two, it's absolute must. And at that point, I think they put themselves in a, in a weird position. It's funny because the NFC East ain't good. Huh. My God, the NFC West. This is insanity. I think the Cardinals are a good team on our odds boards here. They're the fourth choice. They're not like 50-1 to to win the division or 6-1. to Ken Summers has covered uh, the Cardinals for a long time, and he joins Stephen Adam here in Vegas. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. It is a weird lot in life that the Cardinals face here as they, you know, try to move up the NFL ladder, and they have a good team. But this freaking division is nuts.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's really, really good. I mean, you've got um, proven coaches ahead of them. You've got settled quarterback situations for the most part ahead of them, although we'll see what happens in San Francisco with Garoppolo as the season develops. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a brutal division, and, it, and it's been that way for uh, a couple of years.
0: So to you, I guess, just start with, what is the biggest question mark facing this team as we get ready to start the season?
3: I think uh, if I had to pick one, it would be, can the old guys they acquired... In the offseason, stay healthy because they filled some holes with age and short term contracts. You know, JJ Watt along the defensive line, which was a real weakness last year, AJ Green at receiver, which was a real weakness last year, Malcolm Butler at cornerback. They needed some experience there and somebody to replace Patrick Peterson, who left for Minnesota. it's a gamble. You know, any, anytime you're signing guys, 31, 32, 33 years old, you know, with, with all of them with a history of injuries, are they going to stay healthy? How much are you going to get out of them? I think, I think that's the the number one question, because they could be solid in a lot of other areas and could be a a very good team. And I think one, a question is can Cliff Kingsbury coach in the NFL, is he an NFL coach? We've, You know, we've seen some innovative offensive game plans and play designs. We've seen some really questionable decision making during the season. And we see a a team that, after the bye week, the last two years, has pretty much collapsed and hasn't been able to finish the season. So that goes right back to the head coach.
0: So, if you, I mean, I'm going to ask about a guy that I'm just obsessed with. So uh, we'll get into maybe more important things. But uh, first impressions are so funny. Last year, at the beginning of the season, Isaiah Simmons struggled, and it was like, "Well, he sucks." Like people overreact so quickly. I thought by the end of the year he was really good, and I think he could be a really big step forward this year for a guy like that. How has he looked so far, and what are the plans for him?
3: He he's looked fine. Um, you know, he he looked okay in their first preseason game last week against the Cowboys. He didn't look as good. As Davon Collins, a rookie who's playing next to him at inside linebacker spot, there's still some question: Do they have him in the right position at inside linebacker? Uh, But I agree with you. No question, he played much better as the season went along. Excuse me, and you know, not coincidentally, they played him more. They were very careful with him last year. With with uh, you know, no preseason games, nothing. You know, they, they didn't throw him in like right away in the action and it, it, it to me, it's a, it's a drastic change this year, and clearly Steve Kime, you know, didn't really like what he was seeing the general manager because, it, you know, on draft day, he went to Cliff Kingsbury and his coaches and said, "Our our rookies are playing this year. Your your job is to get them on the field and in the game and do so early in the season." I I'm not drafting guys high and then watching them stand on the sideline.
0: Uh, on the other side, you talked about some of the new guys uh, coming around. What are the expectations for A.J. Green, who was one of the best players in the league for a long time and now uh, toward the end of his career had a lot of injuries but still obviously a great talent?
3: They expect him to, yeah, be a a, a 1A receiver with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins on the other side, that they'll take some doubles away from Hopkins because, you know, a healthy A.J. Green, you've got to sit and pure out excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. you got to figure out, okay, where are we going to concentrate our assets? He, he's looked good in camp when he's been healthy, but he's, missed, he's just now returning after missing a week, week and a half of action. And, again, it goes back to what we talked about before. Can they keep these older guys healthy and productive? And, and they really need an upgrade on the receiving core. You know, uh, Larry Fitzgerald is gone. Nobody quite knows his plans, if he's going to come back or not. It's looking like he is not going to come back. They really miss run-after-the-catch guys. They really miss downfield plays. They, they missed an intermediate passing game. And, you know, and, and hopefully they're hoping that, that A.J. Green brings at least part of that to this offense this year.
0: What and I mean, it's tough to tell. It's only the preseason. We don't know how it's going to shake out yet. But uh, how do you think the backfield is going to break down uh, with Edmonds still around and with James Conner coming in,
3: Chase Edmonds is our starter. I think he's going to be their number one back. Um, I, I, you know, in terms of workload, Cliff Kingsbury in, in his two seasons has really gone with with one guy over another. It's not a, a 50-50 proposition. Um, <laughs> Chase Edmonds is very dangerous as a receiver, so I don't think they'll want to take him off the field very much. He, he's not. He's not a um, you know, a big, sturdy guy, powerful guy. Um, so they felt like they needed to add, you know, that kind of person. So they signed James Conner. It's a really nice one-two punch. Um, a seventh-round pick a year ago, Eno Benjamin from Arizona State has looked really good in this camp. He may get a little bit of work, and, and he might even see him returning on special teams. So they, they think they're fine at, that, at the running back position.
2: What are the Raiders getting in Kenyon Drake? And were you surprised they made that much of an investment from a money standpoint?
3: I am. It's hard to know what they're getting in, in Kenyon Drake. You know, when the Cardinals traded Warren midway through the 2019 season, it was a revelation. I mean, he looked so powerful, so quick, and and just a a big play guy. And he looked so much faster than David Johnson, the guy he was took you know taking over for. And then last year, you, he he missed. You, 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 you didn't see that burst. You didn't see that explosiveness and, and and he was healthy and nobody really knew what was wrong. Kenyon Drake said at the time even my mom was asking me, you know, what's what's going on basically. So I, I was a little surprised that he was snapped up like that. So I I really you know, I really don't know what the Raiders are, are getting I mean, if They're getting top flight like Kenyon Drake, you're getting a guy with great speed, great size, who can catch the football and make big plays. If you're getting the Kenyon Drake that played for the Cardinals in 2020, they way overpaid for him, and the expectations are way too high.
2: We're previewing the Cardinals. Kent Summers uh, works for the Arizona Republic, a long-time writer around Arizona. Um, are the Cardinals going to have any issues with COVID this year? Uh, has all that stuff blown over? We saw, you know, a lot of bluster from DeAndre Hopkins with the uh, the early announcement of some of the rules and around the National Football League. So, are they all good to go?
3: They've had problems throughout camp with COVID, with guys going on the list, either by testing positive or through contact tracing their starting guard. Justin Pugh tweeted today that despite being vaccinated, he tested positive for COVID and was lobbying the NFL get back to daily testing for players. um, And let's nip this thing in the bud and let's give us a better idea. You know, he said, I could have been walking around the facility for days infecting others. So it has been impacted. They, Cliff Kingsbury said the other day they'd make great progress in getting guys vaccinated. Supposedly it's at around 90%, um, right now. So, but it, it continues to be a problem for him.
2: I just wanted your general opinion on what the Raiders did. You know, pretty, uh, pretty revolutionary. A lot of people are angry about it. Raiders fans about the fully vaxxed thing with the crowd. Uh, I want your reaction and would that ever fly in Arizona?
3: I like it. I like it. I think it was bold. I think it, it's made a lot of sense. Um, I think clearly people aren't going to do things on their own for the rest of us to be safe with that too many people thinking uh, of themselves and not others. I I like it a lot. I I don't know if it would ever fly in Arizona. The Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell, is uh, very close friends with our governor, Doug Ducey, who is anti-mandate, anti-vaccination proof um, to get into, you know, wherever events. So I doubt whether that would happen, but just personally, and I've written about this, I I would be in favor of that. I think it would keep us all safer and uh, and and lead. You know, I, I you know, covering the Suns in in the postseason. What what was so much fun about that? Part of it was we were back to full arenas, yep. and it, it was very cool. And I hate to see it derailed. Um, by the Delta variant, that we are going to lose that. And if we can do something to stop it, if we can get back to whatever normal might be these days and get back to, you know, cheering uh, for your team shoulder to shoulder with with strangers, I'm all for that. And if it takes proof of vaccination or, uh, you know, a a negative COVID test, I'm, I'm behind it.
2: Last one. We go to the Vegas board. Uh, win total is eight and a half. Uh, over is a, a slight price at minus one twenty. The Cardinals going over eight and a half, under eight and a half wins.
3: I'm going over, but not by very much. I I, I think they're, you know, going to be going to be a nine win team. You know, I, I I just don't have faith that these guys are going to stay healthy, and I I still have too many questions about Kingsbury.
0: Mm. Uh, real quick, before we let you go, I it's a it's a big news story, I think, but. A lot of talk about the Coyotes and their the announcement today about potentially uh, leaving Glendale. Are the Cardinals going to have Glendale to themselves now?
3: Sure, going to look like it after this upcoming hockey season. It's it's interesting, you know, the, the city and the Coyotes have trying, been trying to work out a long-term lease for a while. But the Coyotes and the NHL have said many times that hockey doesn't work in the West Valley. It's too far away from Central and East Phoenix where their fan base is, and nobody wants to make that drive, especially on a on a weekday. And, and basically, Glendale's taking them up on it. Said, you want out of here? Go. We'll, we'll use those dates, and we'll get bigger concerts in here and, and events that make more money than a typical Coyotes game. So the question now is, if this holds up, where do the Coyotes play after next season? Because there's really not a venue in Phoenix that – that's logical for them to go to. I think a lot will have to be done to, to make that happen.
2: Boy, oh, boy! The mayor of Glendale yeah, must be big, steaming. I saw
3: story. I'm writing a, writing a piece yeah. on it right What's now. It? Basically, you know the the Glendale has felt like the Coyotes haven't been a very good partner, and they're they're ready to move on. And and the two sides, you know, beginning to to like we say, split up the sheets.
2: I was gonna make the joke about the uh, the mayor of uh, Glendale's kind of a hothead, wasn't he? Trying to beat up some parking attendant. Imagine now he's probably gonna go, he's gonna try to go <laughs> yeah. after the uh, hockey players. Good luck with that, mayor.
3: <laughs> yeah, he uh, he apparently didn't want to wait in line or a long line yeah, to get no. out of the <laughs> parking garages is, is what I read. So yeah, it's oh, yeah. it's been an ongoing saga here, one that one that people are really tired of. Um, but I, I don't know that it's gonna to come to any kind of resolution. The Coyotes are talking to Tempe about an arena, but a lot has to be done for that to be put in place. And it wouldn't even be ready for three, four years wow. anyway. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a real problem. And we'll, we'll see where it goes in the coming months, the coming year.
2: Kent, that was awesome. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much.
3: Okay, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: There he is. Kent Summers, Arizona Republic. Hey, where the hell are you going to play? Kansas city at yeah, the NHL. Come on, Gary. And it's been going on forever. And I, you know, believe me, I don't want this to happen to Vegas. If the Knights aren't good and there's a lack of support like 18 years from now and then all of a sudden, you know, there's threats of the Knights leaving, I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't want to sit here and say, hey, Phoenix sucks as a hockey market, but it hasn't been great. Uh, and the move to Glendale, has, as he said, has been a disaster. If people are like, yeah, I don't feel like driving out there on weeknights, well, then how the hell do you – you can't have a professional team that plays that often.
0: Yeah, and not, you know, not not getting crowds on weeknights. It really sucks that they're leaving Glendale. One of my favorite trips. In you, the said, NHL. you said
2: you the, said that whole complex is awesome, right? I love it.
0: I love it. And uh, there's a Dutch Brothers in the complex, which is great. Uh, How about that
2: though? From the the people with the arena are like, yeah, we don't care. We'll just get concerts. You. Like your anchor
0: tenant, and you're like, leave. And by the way, like you know, selfishly, like I love the hotel there. I love I love everything there. It's great. It's, I lose out on that trip, but for Golden Knights fans, it's it's relevant because they love going down to games there for a couple of reasons a cheap b it's like the first thing you come to in the valley so if they go to tempe it's like an extra 45 minutes that you have to drive to go to those games when you're trying to drive down to a coyotes nights game that kind of sucks
1: Justin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600.
3: They know better. Everybody knows better. And again, it wasn't everybody fighting. It'll be on TV. You'll see a bunch of guys screaming and yelling, but it was two guys in a special teams period, and then it was a lot of trash talking that escalated. It's just sickening, really. It's just stupidity, but I'm done with that. It's just child's play to me.
1: Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company.
0: I love that. Did you pick up on the part of that statement that has set Twitter ablaze? It's probably not the part you're thinking about. No, no, (laughs)
2: no, no. Ari, do we have that cut isolated, or do you have to play the whole rejoin again? I want to hear the cut one more time. So, John Gruden on the fighting today, because there were more shenanigans today. It's funny. Ari sent over a note yesterday before the joint practice and said... Uh, and slugged it like Gruden says he doesn't want fighting. Why does he even mention it? And I said yesterday, no, he mentioned it because he does want some fighting. Like what he wants is aggressive play. And, hey, after a couple of fights, eh, then that's what happens. Now, what I expected today was the Rams would come back with a vengeance because I also noticed yesterday that Boy Genius made a comment about practice ending early yesterday and basically pointed to the fact that it was stupid, and it sounded to me like he was annoyed with the Raiders. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is not going to go unchecked into today. And then we were talking earlier about, you know, the, the the reports out that Renfro had some decent plays against Ramsey. And if like if I'm if I'm the defense, I'm like, oh, really? You're gonna you're gonna go public with that stuff? And then then the then the Raiders sent out a video of like a was it like a wheel route? Yeah. With Darren Waller, I'm like, okay, I might be like, it's close practice. I might be a little annoyed about that. So I figured the Rams were going to come in today. And be a little teed up. Let me hear Gruden again as he is after another, you know, day of fisticuffs and pushing and shoving. There's no message. You know, they know, they know better. Everybody knows better. And again,
3: it wasn't everybody fighting. It'll be on TV. You'll see a bunch of guys screaming and yelling. But it was two guys in a special teams period. And then it was a lot of trash talking that escalated. Uh, it's just sickening really. It's just stupidity. But I'm done with that. It's just child's play to me.
2: Okay, what are you gonna you gonna harp on the child's play? Yes. What do you think he's he's got a work going here for some future Chucky movies? Everybody is is caught up on this now. <laughs> you guys are he so. He dropped weird. a child's what, play. What? Yeah, what you guys? What you guys get caught up in?
0: Was it so intentional?
2: Weird. It was not. No, um, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> uh, so he's saying it wasn't intentional. It was intentional that it is a work.
0: I will love the I'm not an idiot forever just you, you're the because it's directed at me and yeah. he was sneering at me when he said yeah. it
2: and we all want to <laughs> say it to you because you you treat us all like you treat John Gruden and you're just like we're not idiots Adam uh, I'm not an idiot
0: just staring right at me when he's
2: now that. is he annoyed that there were questions or that it happened again today because I don't you can't tell me he was annoyed yesterday
0: no I don't think so but I I, I do here's the thing that I think he's he's really annoyed about Like, these are the two days that John Gruden has focused on the entire training camp. The the games don't matter. A lot of the practices don't matter, especially when they're not in pads. Like, you're getting ready, they matter because you're trying to get better every day and all those things. But he has literally talked about these joint practices since the day training camp opened. And they had a script, a plan, they had things they wanted to work on. And practice ended early today. They didn't get to everything they wanted to get to because after this fight, they had to just break it. They were like, all right, enough of this. They took everybody away, and they didn't get to finish practice. So I think he's genuinely upset that they didn't get to work on everything they wanted to get to work on. And maybe, I I think cooler heads prevail and everything calms down. Is it possibly throw some guys in extra reps on Saturday because they didn't get to work on what they wanted to get on today? Maybe. But I think that's really the, the, the problem, is that he, he had a, a plan in mind. He had focused so much on these two days of practice and they didn't get to follow through.
2: I don't blame them. Yeah. And as you pointed out, and we've you know, repeated many times, that these joint practices are just so much more meaningful than the games, the preseason games. Oh,
0: yeah, for sure.
2: I know. It's a big deal. It's a big deal.
0: You also, like, there's also weird things, and, and part of why, just to go into more of why the over, why it's such an overreaction to, like, this guy beat this guy, or this guy did this guy. You're also asking the defense to do a lot of things for you. You're like, hey, can you give us a bunch of man looks today? Can you give us a bunch of zone looks today? We're working on this. Can you do this? Like, you're almost asking them to do certain things. Now, it's it's still players trying to make plays. But, like, when you start overreacting and saying, oh, this defense beat this offense, well, yeah, in the, in the form that they wanted them to give them looks, sure. It's just, it's a whole lot of, like, it matters, and the individual matchups matter for sure, and this is where they try to get better. But to read, like, I just saw so many people, Raiders defense dominated? This is great. Like It's good. It's encouraging. But, like, don't overreact. I will, I'll also say. It's also the Rams offense learning the system under Stafford.
2: Yeah. I'll also say, the reports were from, like, four or five people. You don't know what their mission is. You don't know what they're interested in. Sure. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not tweeting about, well, clearly if if you get 13 tweets over like, you know, 65 minutes of scrimmaging, they didn't tweet everything that happened. Right? Yeah. They're, not, they're not doing every play. Sure. They may not be telling you about negative stuff that happened yeah. to the Raiders. Yeah, so that's why you, so I, you, it's like you got to take this stuff with a, a grain of salt. Unless you actually have those reporters – in front of you, and then you can start probing and asking different questions.
0: You can't just go off some tweets. Well, a lot of, a lot of times you don't know, too. Like, I, I watch practice every day. I don't always know exactly what you're seeing. And what I mean by that, and, and I've said this before, like, you know, there's drills where they tell the offense, don't try to get the ball. This is for the defense to try to intercept it. So then you can't go run and say, wow, defense had six straight interceptions. Well, like you Yeah, have I noticed that when, when it, it that. was, you know, Stafford got picked off three times. I'm like, wow, that's terrible. <laughs> Is it though? I mean, and I say I will say that I saw a couple clips of of one of them, like not a great throw, but it also was it hit the receiver's hands and it popped up in the air and it was caught. Um, And you don't you just don't know it. It could be a play where the offense is working on something and they say, hey, defense, don't you know, don't try to stop the route here. We want to see how the safety reacts when the corner lets him by like those sorts of things happen in practice, too. And, and from the from the sideline, and I'm I'm not taking shots of reporters here. I'm saying that I'm there at practice every day, and I don't always know what the intention of every drill is, so it's hard to to overreact to it. Now, sometimes, you, some days you see things like, "All right, we're going to do a one-on-one tackling drill," and you know, okay, this is what they're doing. The, they're trying to see what linebackers and safeties can make tackles in the open field. Okay, this is very simple. Like those things, those things, sure. And and when it's eleven on eleven, a lot of times it's. Um, you know, you can get a little bit read of what's going on, but again, you don't know, you know, what the defense is doing. If the defense is just told, "Hey, run base," don't don't try to do it. You no, know, don't try to cut off a route. Don't try to do this. We're just going to see what the offense has. Like those things happen, so it is impossible to read into a lot of what you're seeing.
2: I love what I was seeing today. Uh, Clarence Hill works in Texas, covers the Cowboys, and so Warren Sharp, who uh, tweets out football stuff. Um, was talking about Calvin Ridley, and he had a video, which, by the way, I really don't believe these videos should be out there. Like, to your point, you don't know the, the story behind the video. Um, who are the Falcons playing today? Is that the Dolphins? I thought so. Or practicing against? Anyway. Um, Warren Sharp tweeted out, Calvin Ridley made an $82.5 million cornerback, just give up on the play in the end zone. With, like, a pan- that panic emoji. Like, woo, You know? And Clarence Hill's like, with all due respect, this is not real football. <laughs> no. One-on-one drills favor the receiver. They're supposed to win easily. There is no pass rush. The quarterback has all day to fake and pump. The wide receiver can run all over the field. If a receiver doesn't win, that's when you need to worry.
0: Yeah. And, and uh, I saw some other people talking about this exact same clip. And, yeah, at the end of the route, Ridley absolutely shakes the shakes the defensive back. But...
2: And it was Byron Jones, by the way. It
0: was Byron Jones. But at the it's the end of the route, and... Uh, as somebody else pointed out, like that's Ooh. that's seven seconds into the route. Yeah, who's running seven second routes in the NFL? Uh,
2: MMQB also put it out there, and Clarence Hill's like, "This is the problem." MMQB knows better. This is not real football, but let's hype it up. <laughs> yes. I think it's important. I, I really do. These conversations are important because uh, you know fans are given certain things, and they think this is you know a normal. Hey, let's go 100 percent practice. You know, basically game situation and. As you explained for a couple minutes here, that's not always the case. All right, Fat Pack's on the way, and then we'll check in on uh, more college football uh, picks and analysis and, uh, analysis and leans and likes with Brad Powers.
1: The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield & Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield & Co. One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield & Company. Brought to you by Nova Home
2: Loans.
0: That's good. We were just having a funny conversation
2: about how everyone's an expert on everything because they Google it. Right? We don't have to mention the subject, but uh, yeah, take what we uh, mention in the cooking world, in the Fat Pack, with a grain of salt, pun intended. Because we're basically, you know, we just we just Google it. We're not, we're not chefs. We're not experts. True. Uh, I gotta roll you in to the conversation we had yesterday. I'm not sure if you were listening. Oh, uh, I was. So for the audience that didn't hear it, I was told by listener Corey, "Hey, I know you like all these different cooking shows, and and last week I was saying, ah, the Paris Hilton cooking show is interesting. I mean, she's annoying, uh, but I love cooking shows." And I love how like Fast Foodies is one of our favorite recently, and a lot of the Fast Foodies show they they basically they have three chefs, they have a celebrity, and then they're like, hey, make you know whatever from Taco Bell or Burger King or Chick Fil A, you know, hey, whatever the signature dish is, right? I, we want you to replicate it, and they all have different spin. And but a lot of the show is the the humor because the celebrity might be a comedian. You're like Bobby Lee is on, and a lot of it's Bobby Lee. Just it's not you're not showing all the cooking techniques. It's not hardcore. So anyway, so Corey suggested the show that's been on YouTube for like three years, with uh, Bert Kreischer, and I told you like what was that? What was that retreat show he did? Where the he, cabin he was, or whatever? Yeah, and whatever I was just called. like, this is stupid. It's like it's it's too much. I'm not a practical joke, you know, farting people's face guy, and that's kind of what he is. It did get
0: real with like that Joe McHale episode. <laughs> there was like some real emotion. There. Well,
2: wait, was that the one? Wasn't it the one with Kaylee Cuoco, and then there was a female comedian who just crapped yeah. all over, and I was like, whoa, that. So that was kind of good, but there was a lot of like there were a lot of like bits and stunts, and I'm not again like I said I'm not farting your face guy. Uh, so this this cooking show recommended by uh, listener Corey, it's actually Bert Kreischer trying to cook, and then he's having a conversation with his friends, and he had uh, is it Chris Stefano as a comedian yeah and uh, what's the is it Volcano uh, Sal from uh, the Crank Crankcaller show right okay and. Like, their conversations were pretty interesting because the stuff they were talking about, I'm like, well, we actually kind of get into this stuff, but I wanted you to hear this because they were talking about buying gifts for each other. So fire this.
0: Sal's a great friend. He just, one day, just sent me a pillow. Yo, for another grown man to just buy you a pillow, that's dope you're shit. It is of- because he wears a pillow that stays cold.
1: Yeah, it's cool as the other side of the pillow, pillow all the time. They should make turn that into a national holiday called uh, Man Friend Day, where you send your man friend a present. Every day's president. Man Friend Day
2: when yeah. your friends
0: are make- sent me. No, Yo, you're a sick dicer.
2: I mean, out of nowhere, he's like, wow, that, that dicing of the of the junkwali is, uh, is great there. <laughs>
0: you're a sick dicer. Yeah.
2: That's where the conversation, you're like, okay, what's going on here? Um, man, friend, gift day. I know you're anti-gift. I am. You're anti-reciprocation. Well, you're no, anti-forced yeah, reciprocation. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I don't. I, I love this. I don't like receiving I love gifts mostly because it's usually a bill. I know Angel would be totally into
2: it. Yeah, of course. He absolutely would get you stuff.
0: He saved my life. He doesn't have to give
2: me. That's a good point. You uh, uh, you better get him something.
0: He saved your life. I did. I got me. him. I got him a, a clear sleeve to hold his vaccination card. Yeah, I would. That would be, I'd love one of those. I have one for you too, if you oh. want. I have it at well, were you I'll listening? It. Were you really listening yesterday? and You're like, that's what these guys need. I told him the other day. He he saw mine. And he's like, I like that. And then oh, I brought wow. him one today. Look, we've already started it. <laughs> By the way, if Candy's listening, up yours, Candy. Because he went right after you, and he's like, Adam will never do this. I was listening. No, I like. I feel like. On some level, I'm actually pretty decent at buying gifts when I have to, but I don't want to. And, like, if you could buy people gifts and they they wouldn't get you something in return, I'd be cool with that. I just—I I, don't—there's two—I th- don't like both, both sides of it. I don't like getting a gift, especially out of nowhere, because to me that is, okay, now what are you going to get me? And here's another one I hate. When—if you want to get somebody something— then they then they feel like they have to get you something. And it's usually Well, I think this this would be a thing, Adam, where we wouldn't it, it would just be
2: random. If if you want to get something, you get something. No, he said it, it, it was a day. I don't know if we have to have a day. I was thinking Christmas in July, like a halfway point of the year could be a decent idea.
0: But I feel the other part of it is I feel like okay, if you get somebody something, they want to buy you something in return. Which is fine, except it's usually trash. Yeah. All right. Uh, that, it, that's, and Then you're like, now I have to use this? Really? Now uh, I have to use it? Yeah, you, and then you're like, all right. Yeah.
2: I think I, I really hurt the SO's feelings the other day. Um, she she went shopping, and uh, she bought me some sandals, and I looked at them, and I was like...
0: But that's, I wasn't like,
2: enthusiastic, and the next day, I'm like, I'm going to return these. I'm that, not going to wear them. She's like, why? That's I'm how like, usually i like, works. they're not...
0: Because here, here's the thing. Because I just didn't like them. Gift cards and things like that get a bad rep, of course. Because you're like, oh, you're not thinking of the person. I kind of think you are. I actually
2: think you are. I yeah. hope. I get gift cards all the time, and I do have a feeling people don't use them. They just wind up losing them, which sucks. Sure. I hope everyone uses the 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 uh, the booze and the weed cards I've
0: gotten them in the sure. past. Those I've, are good. I've gifts. heard people put those to good use. Good. Uh, I, <laughs> so, uh, I, but I, I mean, I get, I get why people say like, oh, it's not personal. You're not thinking about the person, but you are and you're allowing them like in your case you, the SO was like oh Steve could use some sandals yeah guess who would pick out the best sandals for Steve Steve yeah, I would argue with that she's she she normally does
2: cuz she's very uh, she's very giving but i just didn't like these but so. she'll
0: she'll pick out what but she is, cares what is better she'll pick out like a better quality and a better look well, that's the than problem. you would
2: can i tell you but actually what do you want can i tell you the the real problem was i looked at them i was not sold on them and then she told me the price and i'm like i'm out Sure, I didn't like the price. Yeah, of course. I was like, I would never spend that much. Of I didn't. Again, I didn't say any of this. So, any of her friends who listen, don't tell her. They will, and they, they might, should. They might snitch they should And They her. should.
0: <laughs> they should tell. But I thought you already told her you didn't like them.
2: I told him I didn't like them. I told her I didn't like them, but I didn't say that price. When I heard the price, that was
0: that was a disturbing factor. Was the as clincher. Well. I don't. I don't blame you because then you are like, I actually could have got sandals and like two shirts for that. So why don't now I cheap, take them back man. and get those? But now you can't do that. No, oh, I can't. No, okay. she was good. I'm, re- I'm going to return him. That's, I mean, but that is why. That, That's we why have, these- we have a, we have a real
2: relationship. She's not, she's not. I'm not afraid to tell her, and she's not going to break over it. Uh, deep, deep down, she will. Oh man, I could have stung <laughs> that I didn't re- even realize. <laughs> Damn it! You might be right on that one. All right, Brad Power is going to fill us in on uh, what he thought of the latest poll to come out. He's got a bunch of overrated, underrated based on that AP poll that came out a couple of days ago.
1: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. We get the money, dollar, dollar bill, it's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers.
2: All right, let's get to Brad Powers, our weekly spot. Uh, usually, well, once the season starts, we'll be uh, rushing to get out to Thursday night football in the NFL. Week zero is coming up in uh, two weekends in college football, then a uh, monster week of college football before the NFL kicks off uh, with the 9 uh, 11 weekend. Raiders coming up on, what, September 13th? I'm just doing all numbers because that's all I know now are dates. Uh, Brad Powers is with us. Uh, before we get to Brad, reminder. We're going to talk to Kalani Sataki, the BYU coach, about the Vegas. The big Vegas game, right? The Vegas kickoff classic. Arizona and BYU. We're going to talk to Kalani Sataki at about 530. All right, Brad. That's actually where I wanted to start. How are you doing, Brad?
4: I'm doing all right. How are you doing on this fine uh, Thursday?
2: Pretty good pretty good so i was reading up on byu you know getting ready for the uh kalani sataki interview and a lot of it is you know based on what's going to happen a quarterback what kind of offensive weapons they have back They had an awesome defense a year ago can they replace some of the uh, dudes they lost on defense and then i look at the line and i know arizona was not good last year and it resulted in a, a coaching change is the gap between these teams do you believe this is it really north of 10 points
4: Oh, wow. Uh, Great question, Uh, because I think it's one of the more intriguing week one games that there is. Uh, BYU, on their side of things, it's the lack of experience that's returning for BYU off one of their best seasons and probably a quarter century since 96 for them. Uh, But, you know, BYU obviously loses the second overall pick at quarterback. That doesn't happen at a place like BYU very often. A lot of other, their key guys, gone. I mean, BYU is one of the you know top three teams as far as taking a step back this year in my power ratings, as far as the largest step back. So, and BYU is nowhere near as good as what they were a year ago. But with that said, I mean Arizona's on you know a school record losing streak for them. I mean twelve games, and last we saw, <laughs> Wildcats are getting beat by sixty three by their in state rival Arizona State first year coach. You know, and Jed Fish, uh, who's doing everything off the field correctly, I just think on the field. I mean, that there's there's a talent a discrepancy. Even though we're talking about BYU and Arizona here, I, I, I bet half the games in Week One already. This wasn't one of them. I, I thought it was fairly priced.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, and that was my question. You kind of answered it, but at Arizona, do we believe that Kevin Sumlin just fell apart as a coach, uh, or that? That was coupled with him not recruiting and he didn't leave a lot behind
4: well I think it's all of the above I mean fell a part as a coach but I mean one of your major jobs as a coach is to recruit and you know that that was one of the reasons why he was brought into Arizona to recruit and just never materialized I mean they tried to Arizona to get into Texas quite a bit and in the process of banking on that experience that someone had in the state of Texas, and they lost some of their identity here in California and Arizona. So, uh, I mean, the, the talent is very bad. So, I mean, to put it in perspective, I mean, Arizona, they're not Kansas bad at this point. I mean, Kansas is historically bad for a Power 5 team, but uh, they're in the same category as far as, like, Duke, Syracuse, Kansas, Arizona. I mean, those are the teams that are in the mix, Vanderbilt of being a bottom five or six power five team in the country. I mean, that, that's how bad the Wildcats are.
2: So, again, BYU and Arizona play here on uh, September 4th. It's the Vegas kickoff classic, uh, 47 get-in price. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, one last thing on BYU. So the schedule this year, you know, last year's schedule was okay, but, you know, they, they had a tough time because they were one of the old teams playing early on, um, so, and they had a lot of cancellations. Arizona, this is on the schedule for BYU, Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, South Florida, Utah State, Boise, Baylor, Washington State, Virginia, Idaho State, all right, easier game, at Georgia Southern, and then and then Southern Cal. Uh, so it kind of makes sense that the, an 11-win team from a year ago only has a win
4: total of six and a half. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a team that's probably making the, the biggest jump up in strength of schedule this year, a team in BYU played Nothing but group of five teams last year. And it wasn't their fault. I mean, they had a bunch of Power Five teams on the schedule, but because of all the cancellations and non conference games, I mean, they had to put together an entire schedule basically on the fly. And, you know, and Power Five teams weren't wanting to play BYU for, you know, the obvious reasons. And now you flip forward to this year, and, I mean, there's just not a lot of, you know, slam dunk wins. You mentioned Idaho State. I mean, that's the only game on the schedule. Uh, that, that I have a significant favorite in. I mean, South Florida and Utah State, sure, you know, double-digit favorite roles there, Arizona in the opener. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of underdog roles. Utah, Arizona State, I got the Kooks the, the an underdog. At Baylor, slight dog. At Washington State, a slight dog. Obviously, at USC, is probably their toughest game of the season. Uh, I, I got BYU right around 7-5. and five. I think 6-5 and five is actually a little low, to be honest with you. I, I would lean over that.
2: Okay. I'll mention one other thing, because I know you like to know this stuff, um, and you, you probably want to verify it yourself, uh, but in talking to people who run the uh, the Vegas game here between Arizona and BYU, there's a little over 50,000 tickets sold, and apparently 40, I'm sorry, 80% of the tickets are held by BYU fans. <laughs> so yeah, so I, BYU that, may have north north prize. of 40,000 fans.
4: Yeah, that's not surprising to me. I mean, BYU fans have been missing that trip that they used to make almost on a yearly basis to Las Vegas. If you're going back, you know, 10 years ago prior to them going independent, where they not only played UNLV, but they felt like for many years there they played in the Las Vegas Bowl, what seemed like every single year. Uh, they're itching probably to get – even though, I mean, well, I think supposedly they're, they're not here supposed every to year. Be gambling, but yeah. they're itching to get here. I'll put it that well, way. No doubt.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned Kansas a minute ago. I want to follow up on that and ask, are they not going to be any better? Cause you lumped them in with one of the, you know, one of the worst teams among the power five. And at some point they have to show something like they're auditioning for a bigger conference. Like the big 12 is dead. Is they have to show something on the field? So is there any chance they can show anything?
4: Not this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're still the, the worst power five team in, in the country. I got him number 117 in my you know power ratings that include the group of five teams. Uh, I mean, to put in perspective, I think that the the closest one to them at the power five level is Vanderbilt, and I'd favor Vanderbilt by about a touchdown over Kansas. So that's how bad the Jayhawks are. Now, I love their new coach, Lance Leopold, but the reality is uh, he got hired after spring. A uh, good thing uh, on, as far as Kansas this year, he brought you know half in the starting lineup for Buffalo with them uh, this year, so that will help at least the talent level a little bit for Kansas. That's how bad it is when I'm talking about upgrading to a talent level, and it's coming from Buffalo, a max school. I mean, that just goes to show you how bad it is, but, I mean, to to look at the schedule uh, on Kansas, I only have one game where they're not a double-digit underdog That's the opener against South Dakota. I am extremely hard-pressed to find another win on their schedule after the opener. I mean, season win total... Right around one and a half, I lean under. That's how bad the Jayhawks are.
2: Ooh, at BradPower7 on Twitter, bradpowersports.com is where you can get uh, all of Brad's information. And he already mentioned he's already bet 137 games. Is that right? 137 games on look headlines? 137
4: bets? Uh, it was 137. I'm up to about 150 now. Okay. Uh, God bless Circa. Just uh, opened some totals up uh, a couple days ago and I fired away.
2: So i got to ask you about another uh, game on September 4th, and we'll be keeping an eye on this for the conference, and, you know, it's one of the schools in the state up north, Reno. Uh, They've had a lot of trouble with continuity in practice, Brad. Uh, The the smokeout from Northern California, they've had to move their practices a bunch. Uh, They're having a lot of trouble getting ready for the season on that front. Is Cal good? Cal is 3.5. I noticed that Cal's over-under is 6. So what do you make of uh, Nevada taking on California? And if you actually factor in that, the practices have been very disjointed in terms of practicing outside.
4: Well, I have been. It, it hasn't led me to, you know, run to the window to bet Cal, although I've already bet Cal at a very early number of minus two. I just thought that number would go to at least three, if not higher than three. That was just a pure power ratings play. Uh, I mean, it's not like I'm mild on Cal this year. Uh, I think, you know, they're, they're about what they have been here under Justin Wilcox, and they're right around bowl eligibility. That, that's what I expected Cal to be. Still got question marks on the offense side of the ball, on the defense side of the ball. They're one of the better defenses in the Pac-12, and they're going to need that, to, you know, defense to step up against what I think could be the, maybe even the best offense at the Group of Five level. Certainly, right up there, maybe UCF. Uh, that's how good Nevada is going to be with Carson Strong at quarterback and uh, an elite wide receiver core. And uh, you know, if it wasn't for the disruptions, uh, you know, maybe I'd be looking to, to, to place more bets on Nevada. But but I ended up betting. You know, another early number, I got seven-and-a-half, over seven-and-a-half uh, season-win total on Nevada. I mean, I think the Wolfpack, you know, outside of Boise State, they'd be the one team that can really make a run to unseat, uh, you know, Boise State, at least on on paper coming into the season. I mean, Nevada is as good as they've been, in, you know, probably since Kaepernick was behind center.
2: AP poll is out. I know you looked at it, and you were like, come on, with some of the teams. First, give us some overrated teams. I think uh, you said compared to your power rating, Cincy and in Indiana, a little overrated.
4: Yeah, and it's not like I'm, you know, against both teams. I just I wouldn't have them that high if we're just going off a of Vegas power rating. I mean, I got Indiana 26, so I don't even have them in my top 25, even though I, you know, I like the job Tommy Allen's doing there. And you know, I think they're right around maybe a seven and five, eight and four type of team this year. That their schedule is quite tough. They play Cincinnati, the other team that I think is overrated. And look, it's not like I'm anti-Cincinnati Bearcat this year. Uh, I think you know, season win total should be right around in that 10 ten, ten and a half range. They, they got to play Indiana and Notre Dame. I mean, that'll be their two toughest games. But as far as in, in conference play, the Bearcats are going to be at least a touchdown favorite, if not a double digit favorite in every single game. So. Uh, I just I wouldn't have Cincy in my top ten if we're compared, if we're doing a Vegas power rating. I'd have Cincinnati closer to twenty than than I would to ten. So yeah, both of those schools uh, overrated at least compared to my ratings.
0: Anytime you have overrated, you also have to have some underrated schools. And uh, let's start with LSU because it was a kind of a mess last year. Uh, you think they bounce back?
4: Yeah, so LSU. I mean, I have a bigger upgrade on LSU as far as a power rating than any other team in the country. I, I do think they bounce back, and I think we saw it at the end of last year. I mean, they didn't have much to play for. They knew they weren't going to a bowl game due to you know their self-imposed sanctions. And what do they do? They win their final two games, and, and it's you know under Max Johnson a quarterback, a true freshman with a banged up, short-handed roster. They go into Florida and win that game as a three-touchdown underdog, and then they win a shootout against Ole Miss. So. Uh, I mean, I, I like the talent level there. Uh, I mean, obviously, LSU's recruiting hasn't been an issue. They're not going to be nearly as good as what they were two years ago when they won the national title, but they're a far cry on how bad they were a year ago. So, yeah, big bounce back year for LSU. But but the reality is, are they going to be a legitimate contender to Alabama in the SEC West? No. they got to play at the Crimson Times, and, and right now I have that point spread projected more than 17 points. So, It'll kind of be in between how bad they were a year ago and not nearly as good as what they were when they won the title two years ago. So that, that's my expectation for LSU this year.
2: Brad, tell people as the season gets closer how they can get your preview guide.
4: Yeah, bradpowersports.com. You, you can check it out uh, there. You can download a sample copy of it. And if you want the full thing, you can sign it up right there. And uh, I'm always posting nuggets uh, for, from that guide uh, on my Twitter, at Power 7
2: Thanks, Brad. We'll talk to you.
4: Hey, thanks for having me on. Take
2: care, guys. Five o'clock hours on the way. We'll get you more updates on uh, day two of the joint practice between the Rams and the Raiders. Patriots, an exhibition play, off to a 7 nothing start against the Eagles, but we'll give you an update. A very key Eagle player is not in tonight.
1: Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.